0: when I say that there's no face, there's no body, there's no weight, there's no anything. Creativity rises to the top when you're writing because there's no room for the writing's not that good, but he or she is gorgeous. The writing sucks, but oh my God, look at that body. It's giving like Miami, right? Like it's not that, it's just, what does she think? How can she articulate herself? And what can she convey with the stroke of a pen or typing on my keyboard? And I don't miss I do not miss when I write.
1: Welcome back to another episode of When Her's United, the podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, and I truly appreciate you listening in. This is season 10, episode three, entitled Writing Levels the Playing Field with Lauren Childress. Before we jump into the interview, I want to tell you more about me and When United, the podcast. I believe that success leaves clues. And When United, the podcast was created to give you the clues you need to succeed in business, mindset, personal development, and self-care. These are the four pillars we stand on at When United, which is why they are emphasized so we all can live a complete and fulfilled life, both personally as well as professionally. I also believe that you can't be what you can't see, which is why Win United highlights women of color entrepreneurs. If you love Win United, please invite someone you know to listen and tell your friend to tell a friend. Let's spread the knowledge You know, we believe in being empowered and empowering on. Now, without further ado, let's get into season 10, episode three, entitled, Writing Levels the Playing Field with Lauren Childress. All right, we're back with another amazing, winning woman of color entrepreneur, Lauren, welcome. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So excited to have you. All right, so before we hear from Lauren, let me tell you more about her. So from Houston to Harlem, Lauren Childress has worked in and transformed the educational and nonprofit space for the past decade and is now using her skills to forge a bold, boundary-breaking digital landscape. As a true Aquarius, she seeks to utilize the latest tech to share her clients' mission and message on a larger scale, leading to the birth of her digital storytelling company, The Content Queen. So The Content Queen's marries thoughtful, creative content with personal branding and succinct digital strategy to build powerful Platform. So, Lauren, I am so I need to know more about this. I mean, you you yeah. got me so intrigued.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. So, um, I've been working in marketing for about the last decade with both my bachelors and masters in marketing. And writing is something I've always been very, very good at. I haven't always been the best public speaker, but I've always been um, really in tune with how I felt, and I knew that I can convey how I wanted to express myself written word. And I'm um, blessed enough that it has landed me this far. And so the Content Queens is a small digital marketing agency owned and operated by me, a Black woman. I have been working in marketing for about the last 10, 11 years. My agency is comprised of all women intentionally with a tagline of content is queen. Most people are used to hearing it say content is king, but I feel like anybody who knows anybody who knows anybody knows that the queen is at the head period. And so that was very much so intentional. And we're full of black and brown and cisgendered women identifying team that I could not be more proud of. And everyone is working from their heart and their soul. We work with clients in the nonprofit space, which is my absolute favorite space, but we're not niched yet. Um, And so we, we work with B2B, B2C nonprofit education, which is my biggest and best bucket. And we help them with a full range. Communications needs. So writing, blogging, graphic design, social media marketing management, just a full, the full gamut of online digital marketing.
1: All right. I love that. I love that. And you said something that I have to requote. This this is a tweetable, y'all. This is a tweetable. The queen is the head, period. Right. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Ah, Period. I love that. I love that. I love that you hire women or women identified non-binary, right? Like I think that it is super necessary. And I love that. That's what you do. Love the name and just your passion for written word. Right. So I know when we spoke previously, you talked about how
0: written word levels the playing field. Tell me why you feel this way. I feel that way deeply, deeply in my bones. I feel like I'm going to throw it back. Growing up many, many moons ago, I never felt Confident like ever. I never felt beautiful. I never felt any of the things that, as a small little girl, you hope to feel or that you see other people feel in like the movies and the books and the like. I never felt that way like ever. I could probably count on one hand the number of times as a child I felt like I was worthy of like anything. And so, when I say that writing levels the playing field, I feel like When you're writing, there's not a face attached to it, and there's not a body attached to it, or a weight, or a number on a scale, or any of the things that you maybe think of yourself, or people have told you about yourself, right? Kids are absolutely cruel. And I grew up around no children who looked like me. So the way that I was taunted, right? And and you hear taunted, and I'm like, is that too dramatic of a word? And it's absolutely not, not even close. And what I found is that when I wrote like in class, while I wasn't as like popular as is really anybody in the class and didn't really fit in at all in any capacity, and you factor in that I grew up and my mother passed away when I was 13. So I'm trying to navigate predominantly white spaces without a single person who looks like me and a dad. And I have three sisters who his very, very best to make it do what it do. And what I found is that I wasn't called on in my classes, even though I knew the answers, but I will never forget being called on reading Huckleberry Finn, the one racist slave book where they made me, they like, Lauren, why don't you take it away? I'm like, oh yeah, I'd love to read this part. You know, but what I found is like when I wrote my papers or when I did my reports or when I did my presentations, I would always get this feedback on it. Like, oh my gosh, who knew? Or I'm so shocked. This is eight plus plus work. You should speak up more in class. And it was like, well, no one calls on me in class. No one includes me in class. And so when I say that writing levels, the playing field, it like combated every single thing else. Like it didn't matter that I wasn't thin. It didn't matter that I wasn't white with blonde hair and blue eyes. Like every single other person around me would matter just that I was. I don't want to say the smartest because it's definitely giving like Leo, but I will say I was very smart and I was very proficient and I was incredibly creative, but all of it lived inside of someone who had the voice of a church mouse when I spoke. But my God, when I wrote, it had the voice of a lion. And I mean, in high school, even to further the point, my college essay, right, that got me into college was published in Austin Community College, Houston Community College, Dallas Community College. This is like an 18-year-old person who just wrote on a whim how I was feeling in that moment. And it literally changed the rest of my life. And so when I say that there's, there's no face, there's no body, there's no weight, there's no anything. Creativity rises to the top when you're writing because there's no room for the writing's not that good, but he or she is gorgeous the writing sucks, but oh my God, look at that body. It's giving like Miami, right? Like it's not that it's just, what does she think? How can she articulate herself? And what can she convey with the stroke of a pen or typing on my keyboard? And I don't miss, I do not miss when I write.
1: Listen, but it's the confidence for me. But, I do not serious. miss. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I do not miss when I write. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I heard so many things as I was listening to you. It sounded like writing was an outlet for you, right? You know, because you didn't have, you know, that maybe the confidence to use your voice, right? Because obviously you had the thoughts, right? You could write them, but being able to say them was something different. I love the, or just listening to you made me realize where the, your desire for inclusivity came from, Right. Feeling, you know, outcast, right? Always. And then, right, the fact that it also, I think I said this already, gave you a voice. I love that. So it makes me want to inspire anyone listening, right? Because I know that speaking, what do they say? A lot of people rather die than speak in public, right? So, (laughs) (laughs) right. So if speaking isn't your thing, but you know you are just excellent with the pen, right? Then, right right? It doesn't have to look like what everyone else looks like, but that doesn't mean that you can't find a place to show yourself and be yourself, right? And and allow yourself to shine. Absolutely. Love that. Love that. All right. So you briefly talked about working with some companies. You didn't mention the companies, right? And I know that from our previous discussion, right? You got some NDAs, so you can't talk (laughs) about all of them, right? But I do know that You know, you've helped some large brands with your genius. So for the ones that you can just name drop, you know, sometimes people need to hear those credentials, right? To take it seriously, right? Always. Name drop a few that you can and tell us, like, how are you able to secure those contracts?
0: Yeah. So one of my favorite contracts right now is Blackman Deserve to Grow Old, which is the owner of that is Mia Jay. And she is the mother of young Dolph's children and his was his significant other. That is her brand. And she has trusted me and my team with it. And so much so that actually this week she gave us her second brand, the mom and CEO. So I'm very, very excited about that too. How I landed that, she reached out to me and I applied for the position. I told her about my team. I showed her examples and like, And more, more importantly than that, I hear my clients when they talk to me, like, because so, so I know this is going to sound super presumptuous, but we have like a client wait list because not all money is good money. Like it, it needs to be intentional. I have to feel you in some way. Right. And I'm blessed enough to move like that. Cause when I started, it was the opposite of that. Like anything and everything I would accept and take. And then I realized this is not good for my psyche. This is not good for the psyche of my team. If I know that I don't like sales-based writing. I'm not going to keep accepting retail clients, right? If I know that what gets me out of the bed in the morning, it puts me in the bed at night, where passion meets purpose is, I have to feel you in some way. You have to be making things shape for people who look like me, right? That to me is what it is about, right? There are brands, and I hope I say this the right way, but there are brands who don't need me, right? And then there are brands where the work is a bit more, intentional. And that mm-hmm. is what I like to provide, right? So I have that, which is one of my favorite. I have the Fund for Public Schools, which is organizations directly correlated with the New York Department of Education, right? I have Codesmith. We have Hold the Magic. One of my favorites that I can't say is a massive, one, of the second largest charter system in the city, like because education and those kind of things. And so I applied, they get back to me. And then I feel like I have a really good elevator pitch and then it just, it works, right? And it also It helps that there's like a seamless crossover. So like my full-time roles, right? When I'm working full-time has always been in the education space, always. So when I'm landing clients that are, you know, affiliated with the DOE or things like that, it just makes sense, right? And then a lot of my work too, I will forever, until while there is air in my lungs, I will always go for the underdog. In this life, the next one and the one after that. So when I'm selecting my clients, there has to be some level of, that because I know that I can take it and I can make it beautiful and I can make people understand that there's absolutely no reason to count this person, this brand, this or this micro influencer out. If you do, you will actually regret it. And let me show you why. Right. And so that's what I look for. And that's when I'm applying for clients. I look for things that stick out to me. And in terms of getting clients, I get quite a few clients now, word of mouth, which I think is a huge blessing because you don't have to pay for that kind of marketing. Right. It just because you are who you are and you move how you move. And so I have quite a few clients from word of mouth. And then I have like freelance like apps I use, like Fiverr, like Upwork, like things like that. Like I have a website and I do retargeting ads, Google ads. So people come in in that way a lot of the times. And then also recently, I've been landing a few clients off of social media for my brand page, which I think is kind of unique and cool too. But I try not to, like when I was younger... It would just be like a fishing net, like anything I could grab in. And quickly, I realized that this is so aggressive for me mentally. I'm going to take myself back to childhood if I keep working in this way because I'm selecting clients who are so unkind to me. And it was just so familiar. It felt like home. So I continued to accept everything I could. And it literally worked to the detriment of my mental health and my brand. Because when you work with anybody and everybody and anybody who needs marketing, a jack of all trades is a master of none. And a jack of all subject matter is a master of none. So I just don't approach marketing that way. Now I have to feel you. And if I feel you, we can continue the conversation.
1: Mm, I love that. I love that. I hope y'all got a pin (laughs) and a pad. Look, y'all should have several, at least a page and a half to two pages. Of how I can find a client, right? Oh, yeah. Like that was amazing. That Thumbtack. was amazing. That's a good oh, one too.
0: If you on thumb if you market yourself and you have like even a logo or even a photo of yourself with just a few description words on what you can do, you can there's room for everybody to eat on almost every single platform. You just have to want it.
1: Okay. Look, I'm I'm learning some <laughs> stuff too. Look, I'm gonna have to go back and get my notebook out and, and listen again
0: <laughs> and again,
1: right? And and I appreciate that and a few things that I heard, right? The first thing that stuck out to me was stay ready, right? When young Dolph, did you say baby mom? Yep. When she reached out, right? Like, okay, she reached out, but then you had to apply. What if you weren't ready? Didn't have that information together to apply, right? So stay ready. I love your be a good listener, right? Because I mean, you know, if you have to reinterpret what this person wants to portray, right? How can you do that if you're not a good listener, right? Yep. I do agree with you. Not all money is good money. Right. I like to say what do they say. If you cast the net too wide, you won't catch any fish. Anything, Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was excellent. And, and I don't think it's a, a bad thing to say. It's actually a smart way to do business. And you gave all of the reasons as to why it's smart. Right. So for anyone listening that feels like, oh, I want all the clients. No, you don't. No, you don't. You absolutely. It, it's OK. Right. And it's OK. Right. Figure out who's going to make you feel good, right? Because, I mean, this is work that you may be doing a lot of hours, right? Exactly. So you shouldn't feel miserable in doing it, right? Yes. If we want to feel miserable, we could stay in our corporate job. I mean, you know, no, exactly. no shade. No shade to the corporate a job. A little Some shade. People- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> i just, just kidding. No, it I'm was. Kidding. It was a little shade. It was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, like hopefully you go into entrepreneurship to not be miserable, right? But if you connect yourself with the wrong people, you will be. Right, Absolutely. so so think about that. That's very 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 important. And then just going back to apply, right? Like a lot of people think things just fall out the sky. No, you got to put your name in the hat. You got yeah. to put your name in the hat, right? Uh, what they say: closed mouth don't get fed. Absolutely. Opportunity goes to those who seek the opportunities, right? And show up in excellence, right? And you, you know, like you, for young dolls, baby mom to even reach out. Right, or I hate, I don't like baby mom his his child's mom to yep. reach out right like obviously something you did showed like oh I need her to work you know with me right so o- yeah. you know
0: fourth right o- yeah. showing
1: up exactly <laughs> yeah. you know show up in excellence you never know who's watching you know and you never know what that could mean for your future right yeah all right so you led into my next question right talking about loving to help the underdog. And I know when we spoke previously, you told me you prefer to work with startup. Tell me why.
0: So I also want to clarify by startup. By startup, I don't mean someone that's like, Lauren, I want to launch a business. I have absolutely nothing, no name, no nothing like that. But can you help me? Because you've got to visit someone else before you get to me, like branding, because I am not a branding agency. And sometimes people lump them all together. Right. And that is you shouldn't do that because Branding is stop one after you say, I'm going to launch this business. That is before you get to social. I don't accept clients that have absolutely no clue what they want to do because if you don't know what you want to do, what I produce for you, you won't be able to digest do I like this? Do I not like this? Because you don't even know where you want to go. And when I make strategic recommendations, they may not land. But startups that have like their brand, you know, and they have at least that, I do like to work with them. And it's definitely my preference because. I am someone who is very, very creative. My team is so incredibly creative. Like, and to me, this is my personal opinion is creativity is not taught. I don't think you can teach someone to be a creative thinker. I think that they are a creative thinker. And I'm blessed enough that I've just been drawn to creative people, like-minded people. And so when you get to work with a startup, you get a chance to be, incredibly creative because the opposite of this is landing a client that's like been working with someone else or has, you know, solidified everything, a presence. They just need you to come in like machine-like and keep it going. And I'm good with that too, because I do think the best marketing runs machine-like and there's a larger opportunity to be creative when you're working with people who don't already have the wheel invented, right? Because of that phrase, don't reinvent the wheel, just it's not broken, keep going how it is. But the cool thing about startups is you get to invent the wheel. You get to be as sporadic and as creative and as you really can be. And I don't think that it gets cooler than that, right? Because you get to touch the first things that the world gets to consume about this client. And like for me, so when I got my master's, I studied and minored in human factor psychology. So I could study specifically like how the eye breaks down design, font, shape, size, color. And when you get a startup, I find that I get to apply more of that knowledge there versus inheriting... It's like inheriting a, I feel like nine, a nine month old baby is like a lot. So maybe like two is kind of a lot too. So maybe I feel like a good age is like three or four something like that. I don't have kids, but I feel like three or four is like, they're still impressionable versus landing a 13 year old. Right. So I feel like I, you get the three-year-old, they are like, when you get a three-year-old in terms of a brand, everything's new and you get to help them learn and grow but when you get a 13 year old as sparkly as a 13 year old may be the the systems and processes are built in place in fact by 13 i think it's it's much younger than that i'm almost positive you've learned your behaviors how you process information and all of that is already stored in your mind so 3 or 4 however it's not so i guess i just think there's a larger opportunity to be creative to find what sticks to audit what's working what's not working to reinvent the wheel because you get to create the wheel so i think that my talents, I get to do more with startups.
1: I like that. I like that. So it sounds like they're more moldable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do your thing, right? And it sounds like you have a lot of amazing things to be able to do. And that age for children is eight. Oh yeah. (laughs) Eight years old. My son is eight right now. And listen. Woo. We're gonna go there. That's another show. That's another show, right? For another time. Listen, I like something that you said. And I wanna I want you to expound upon that for me Mm -hmm. for a bit. So you said the best
0: marketing is machine like. What does that mean? Or what does that look like? Absolutely. So marketing should not be siloed. Like if you're sharing information in your email, it should at least live somewhere on your website that at least lives somewhere on your social media feed, that at least lives somewhere back in your blogs. Like machine like. A lot of people have really siloed marketing and you can tell that there's no communication internally, right? The best marketing, all pieces are talking to each other. What I'm promoting on social, you can find on my blog. What you can find on my blog, you can find in an email that I've sent out. Like, because all of my pieces speak to each other, like a well-oiled machine. When comms is siloed like that, I find that the ROI is is really difficult because the pieces aren't talking together. When people, first of all, the human attention span has just recently dropped, okay? They say it's going to drop again. So you have a second to grab people and you grab them or you don't. And if you don't, the odds of them circling back are incredibly unlikely, right? So you can grab them because they can find information easily. They look at your page and it's bomb, right? It's organized. It's clean. It's sleek. It's modern. Or if that's not your vibe, it's chaotic. It's colorful. It's unique. It's whatever. But they can grab the information who, what, where, when, why quickly without having to do a deep dive, without going through a dissertation amount of text on your website or your posts on Instagram or reading as micro blogs, like none of that, right? Because all of the pieces speak to each other. If you want a blog, you can visit the site. If you want an event calendar or something that's coming on, you can check your email because the best time to send out emails is Tuesday and it went out on Tuesday, right? And if you want to know what's happening in real time, check out our social media. Like that is the seamlessness between those channels that, is ideal, and that is what I would consider machine-like marketing.
1: Listen, y'all heard, y'all heard it here. Y'all, y'all heard it here. That was so, so good. I love that. Look, I love that, and I have work to do. So thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you know, it, it's okay, right? To know better is to have the opportunity to do better, right? That—that's my own quote, right? I don't think it's to know better is to do better. And you got the opportunity because you could know better and still don't do nothing and else, not doing, right? Yeah right? Right. (laughs) All right. So let's switch lanes a little bit. Okay. Let's talk mindfulness. What does it mean to you? How do you practice?
0: So mindfulness, when I hear mindfulness, I hear adjacent words like connectivity and togetherness and, and wellness. So when I, for me, practicing mindfulness is practicing consideration like to be mindful of something is to be considerate of something. And that's something that I take very deeply because I, you know, I, I guess I don't always feel like that was extended to me like many times at all. And so I feel like I've become this person. That's like the opposite of what I feel I endured and what I feel I experienced like zero through like 18, if you will. And so how I, try to be mindful in my personal life and my business life. So in my business life, I try to be mindful by setting what I would consider realistic turnaround times or pushing back on clients. Because what you won't do is abuse or, or mistreat or speak illy to my team. My team is an extension of me. It is on me to protect them. If they've done something, then I've done something. I did it. So you should take your grievance with me and I will discuss it with my team separately. Right. That to me is like, Someone who's mindful, mindful of what you ask people, mindful of how you make people feel thoughtful really is another, an adjective that I would use like a descriptor of mindfulness, because for me, professional mindfulness is professional consideration and respect and enforcing boundaries, adhering to boundaries, accepting boundaries and understanding that working with someone doesn't give you access to them 24, eight, right? I, I think sometimes because marketing, we provide a service to people, sometimes people feel that they have access to us and my team, 365, and you don't. In fact, this is a client I'm no longer working with anymore. And I thank you, Lord, for this, for Christmas. I will never forget it. She told me, I should have given her advance notice that my team would be offline on Christmas. This is a Black woman with a small business that I took from small to medium, a business that Missy Elliott interacts with now on on social platforms. And she told me my black and brown team, the women on that account were all black. There wasn't anyone else, no brown, no white, just for her because I felt her. And after that, I I didn't feel her anymore. She told me that I should have given advance notice for my team to be offline on Christmas. And I told her my team is in works on these accounts by choice. Would it Drake say, the minute I stop having fun with it, I'm done with it. Like should, and I told her, should they ever decide they don't want to write copy for you anymore? That is a decision I will co-sign because I rock with my team period. Right. So that to me is someone the opposite of practicing mindfulness. (laughs) In my personal life, mindfulness, I don't think I'm as good at, to be honest. I don't want to lie. I don't, I think it's something I'm still trying to tackle, but what I think it looks like in my personal life is building in time for myself, building in time to breathe, to be, trying, deeply trying to convince myself that every second I don't have to be doing something to be a worthy person. It is okay to like put on TV and not have my laptop open. It's okay to close the laptop, right? I mean, I wake up three in the morning, five in the morning, and I check my emails just because I sometimes feel like I can't breathe if I don't. You know, so to me, mindfulness is honestly the opposite of that. And I know that that probably wasn't the best definition, but in full transparency, it's hard to define something that you yourself don't even practice as much as you should. I can do it for other people, but sometimes I struggle to do it for myself. I think that's where I'm at with that. All
1: right. That was good. And I I appreciate your honesty, right? (laughs) That's what it's about because, you know, like we're not perfect, right? We are. Works in progress, right? Trying to get to where we need to go. And I believe someone can relate to that and needed to hear that, right? Like, yes, you have a successful business. You're doing all of these things, but it is stuff that I still am not sure of. And that's okay, right? That doesn't stop the show, right? The show still continues. Always. (laughs) And I'm I'm still amazing, right? And I'm still (laughs) amazing. Right, right. (laughs) We got merch. Go to winhersunited.com forward slash shop to check out the WinHers t-shirts. There are two options available for you in multiple colors. Get one for you and a friend. One is called the WinHers Courageous t-shirt and the other is called the WinHers Birthright t-shirt. The material is top-notch and the designs are too cute. Remember, you're a WinHur every day. So you might as well wear the t-shirt. Get yours today at winhersunited.com forward slash shop. So I did want to touch on a few things, right? I love what you said or something I heard you said made me, what I wrote down in my notes was it made you better, not bitter, right? Mm-hmm. You know, those experiences that you experienced and how you chose to use that and be different in the way you show up, right? Like you could have, it's very easy to experience things and allow those things to give you the permission, quote unquote, to treat people the same way, right? But do not do that, right? Like that's a choice, right? And it's a great choice and some people don't choose it, right? And don't realize that we have the choice to not keep continuing to do that same thing. And, And the word I wanna use is escaping me, but that's the premise, right? I love your leadership as far as I think it's amazing. I think all leaders need to do this. Unfortunately, they do not. Right. If you got a problem with my team, you got a problem with me. Come see me. I'll deal with my team. Listen. Always. Okay. look, if you don't do that, take this (laughs) note. Please do that because, you know, it is. You will build such a great rapport in your company, Yep. by treating your people that way, right? Like people that are actually happy to work with you, right, and, and yep. show up for you by treating them that way. I mean, I mean, and it, at the bottom line, like that's the way it should be. That's the way that's it the way should it,
0: be. I literally, people remember how you make them feel. I can't tell you every single thing that was said to me growing up, but I can tell you, like, if you were to name a person, how they made me feel about me that I carried through life. And I feel like you have to be responsible. Like you have to treat people responsibly. Right. And I don't know, like work is a choice. And then when you get into work, like marketing, like design, it's a choice. And when you're like working with really talented people, for example, one of my favorite people to work with, her name is Tiff, creative director at Yahoo. Like the talent oozes everything she does. It's like so talented. She records her son, like just random talent. Like just, it's just always so gorgeous. Right. And Like the way that Tiff is up, up, up right now. And I'm so happy for her because that, like, the way you make people feel, it means something. Right. And you have to make people feel good because they can go anywhere. So, where I'm going with this is the creative director of Yahoo. If I text her, if I call her, if I email her and I ask her to help me with something, if I tell her I need you to help me design this for a client, someone that high up, she says yes every single time. And she'll give me a quote because I like to believe. She has a good experience with me, right? And my entire team, like we have a Slack. So I'll put in there, hey team, this client's up for grab. I'll get like six, seven women that'll message me. I will submit a test assignment for that account. Like, you know, there's no like nothing like extra in it for them, just wanting to continue to work with me, which I still pinch myself because I'm like, how did this happen? <laughs> like, how did this happen? And then when I stopped second guessing myself, I know it happened because I, I manifested it and I prayed and above everything else, not above the prayer, but right underneath it, I worked and I manifested it. And I told myself, I gonna have a digital market aid and it's going to be really unique. And I don't know how it's going to be unique, but anyone who knows me knows, like, I never met a color I didn't like. My personality is real big, real bubbly. So I just knew I had to find an agency that embodied that and content queens when you think about the history of the word queen and what it can mean like I was like that it's that It's it's literally that and I'm blessed that my team like is still here I think in like all the times we've like for as long as we've been operating I think maybe over the last like three years I have only parted ways with maybe like four or five women over three years, that's insane. That's insane.
1: Awesome. Look, I love that. <laughs> I love it. Listen, listen. And, and it speaks. And, and it makes sense, right? Good stuff. All right. So you talked about your essay, right? That you wrote for college. And you mentioned it when we talked previously. Mm-hmm. Happiness is an inside job. Let's talk about it.
0: Oh, the essay or happiness? <laughs> Which Just happiness is an inside <laughs> yeah, job, right? Happiness. So if you want to throw in yeah. things from the
1: essay, however you want to approach it, but happiness right. being an inside job.
0: Yeah, that was the pinnacle of the essay because I was making a, making a comparison and contrast about like, I don't want to choose my words carefully, but about on the other side, about how you can have grow up in immense amounts of wealth and still have, a whole host of things to work through, despite like, you know, whether you grow up with a lot of resources or not a lot of resources, both sides of the coin grow up with things that they're still holding on to. And so for me, when I think of happiness and happiness being an inside job, which is something I, I do honestly, even still consistently remind myself, when you put all of each In the hands of someone else, they will drop it every single time, even on accident, because people are flawed and people are human and people make mistakes and people say shit they shouldn't. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. But people say shit they shouldn't say and people do things they shouldn't do. And if my happiness is dependent on what another human is doing, another human that I physically cannot control, I lose every single time. And if you're someone like me who I feel things to the 100th degree, like when things hurt my feelings they really hurt my feelings. And the way that I took some of that like power back is by taking my happiness back, if that makes sense, by saying, so if I give you the power to make me happy, it also means I'm giving you the power to make me unhappy. And it doesn't mean I don't hold the people around me to standards, right? It doesn't mean you can just treat me any way you want, because I make myself happy. No, ma'am, not in this life or the next one. And it means that I'm cognizant that for me to feel good, it starts in here. It starts in here. When I don't feel good, everything around me doesn't feel good. When I am not at peace, when I am not in equilibrium, nothing around me is at peace or equilibrium. So I feel like it starts with me in the way that I try to practice happiness and, and owning my own happiness and not assigning that much to other people. And I think it's also, if you grow up not like nature versus nurture. If you grow up and you feel, even if it's not, you know, because you know, everyone feels like, oh my girl, I grew up this way. And their parents are like, you do have nothing wrong, you know? So if you feel like I wasn't watered in the way that I should have been watered, you have to figure out how to water yourself. Because I feel like it's a really thin line between turning into who didn't water you to and turning into like a whole water hose you know, and I try my best and I fail sometimes. I feel often at this, but I try my best to just turn into a water hose, right? Because I validate, right? I look at my resume and I feel validated. I look in my inbox and I feel validated. I look at how I treat other people around me and I feel validated. I look at people wanting to work with me that have no you know, you're in an employment contract, you can't quit for two years that just make a choice every day they wake up and they choose me and they wake up and they choose me. I have to figure out a way to wake up and choose me, too. That is really how I approach that. I
1: love it. I love it. (laughs) Would you say you said you have to figure out how to water yourself, right? Like another tweetable.
0: Right. And
1: (laughs) it is. It's so good. And I feel like I I can personally relate, right? And I can even, it made me think of some scenarios with me and my daughter, you know, where like I became a parent at 17. Right. So at 17, like me and my daughter grew up together. She'll be, she'll be 23 tomorrow. Right. Iconic. I feel like I look like I'm 23,
0: right? (laughs) You know, that's right.
1: (laughs) Right. And but you can imagine, you know, like a 17-year-old raising a child, you know, and then I had so many issues, you know, alcoholism, drug abuse, like so many things that pout working, like college, master, like so many things that I pal on top of then raising a child. Right. And then, you know, we get to this adulthood and then now I'm starting to heal myself from some of my own things. And then I even told her, I said, you know what? I can't heal you. I can't heal you. Even right. if I caused some of your pain, I can't heal you. Yep. Right. And, and that was something that I had to realize, you know, and, and also what you said, like, I believe that people in general, well, I like to believe this. Some people just <laughs> uh, a special place for them, right? But I believe most people are trying their best. Yep. Right. But everyone's best looks different. Right. And everyone's best is it has to do with what they've experienced, right? So their best could be horrible. Yeah. Quote unquote. You know, but I think that everyone is literally trying their best. Right. And then unfortunately it doesn't translate to what, you know, we may think a best is, what the TV tells us a best is, you know, and now we're hurting. Right. And, and for me personally, like I know that like going to therapy, right, literally helped me, you know, to heal a lot of things going into recovery, helped me to heal a lot of things. Right. One of the things that I practice that, you know, doesn't cost money is practicing gratitude. Right. Like I take a journal and literally I felt the shift in energy. Right. Like, I remember one day I was going into my journal and I was mad at my ex-boyfriend and I'm about to start off the journal about, oh, he did this and I was so pissed. Right. And then my spirit said, no, gratitude. Right. And then I started to write what I was grateful about and the energy in my body just like shifted. You know, Mm. it, it was just like if I felt the energy shift as I was writing, it didn't change what happened. Right. But again, happiness is an inside job. Right. Because, yeah, I could have wrote all of that, but would it have made me happy? But practicing that gratitude and seeing all of the great things in my life was a great way for me to then be able to feel better. Right. In myself. Right. So just an example. I don't know. Love
0: that. that. No, I love that. I do the same thing. I try to do the same thing for the smallest thing. I always say, thank you. Thank you. Like even for like an example of this is this morning I had some fruit delivered. And clearly one of the fruit I had opened in the bottom of the bag was wet and it was about to burst, but I was able to carry it all the way into the kitchen, open it. and Like I even the little things like that, I always thank you. Thank you. And you're absolutely right. Like in here, it feels like the day feels more conquerable. Right, right. I love it. All right. Let's
1: talk resources for personal development. What do you do to grow yourself?
0: Oh, I do quite a bit. I don't even know where to start. Okay. So first things first, I have like Google alerts for like certain phrases. So like marketing, LinkedIn marketing, Pinterest marketing, video marketing, TikTok, so that I'm abreast when things are launching. I know when things are coming out. I know that, oh, people are talking about like, for example, people on LinkedIn were talking about Instagram's impending algorithm change uh, before it changed. And I was in those groups and I was like bidding on those keywords so I can see those topics. And then I start to learn and work backwards. An example of this is TikTok. I have not mastered TikTok and I am missing out on clients because everybody wants to be on TikTok. It's not enough anymore to be on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn. I want you to make me a thing on TikTok. And I don't know. I'm gonna send you raw video footage in the dark, right? Lighting is terrible. Okay. And I want you to turn this into a viral moment. Right. So it's things like that. And what I do is YouTube university. I'm a frequent member. I mean a lot, a lot on Google, a lot on social media, right? Because, like, for example, TikTok, even though it's a separate platform than Twitter, and Twitter, which is my absolute favorite platform for personal use, not for marketing, but for personal use, my favorite. Was going over the ins and out of TikToks and TikTok transitions and how you could put mu- music overlay. It's just so I, I really just make it my business to figure out what's releasing, how it'll impact my clients and how it'll impact my business and what I then need to do for my team. Consequently, one of my girls on my team, who I consider my right and left hand, she's the director of operations, Rita. I recently asked her, I literally think yesterday, if she wanted me to pay for any design classes for her for professional development. Because when things go up, I need to remain excellent and I need everyone around me to remain excellent. And sometimes you have to invest in excellence, right? And otherwise, everybody can do it. Right. I love that. I love that. Shout out to Rita. That's my mom. <laughs> shout out to Rita. <laughs> shout, shout out, Rita. I love that. Oh my I gosh, that. I got to call her after this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I love your desire to grow for yourself, but also to grow your team, right? Because of course, you know, in corporate America, like that's what happens, right? It's so much money that's poured into the learning and development of the employees, right? Because that's what keeps the organization going. And that same energy needs to be put into us as small businesses, as entrepreneurs to grow our people, to make sure that we're not getting left behind. I love your tip as far as that Google Alerts, right? Like you don't you don't put me on the something. I mean I have I have Google Alerts for like speaking engagements and proposals, right? But I never thought to put it for my industry, right? of what I actually help other people with, right? so i'm I'm about to go do that. Look, y'all go do it too, right. That was awesome. I also feel like a personal development thing, and you talked about this, so we could touch on it briefly, right? Not necessarily work related, but it could be work related too. boundaries, right? Boundaries and standards. I feel like that's definitely personal development, right? Especially if you're coming from like a person like me, like I grew up really with no boundaries, right? And it caused a lot of things yes, well. in my life, right? You know, and then having to, number one, understand what's the boundary. What is that? Right. Number two, be comfortable with setting it. Right. Be comfortable with reminding people about it, you know, and and be okay with people that I have to close the door on, you know, if they're not okay with this boundary. But let's talk more about boundaries boundaries and standards. What's your thoughts on it?
0: So, boundaries. I think that I know I said that mindfulness was probably the lesson of my life, but I think boundaries, because this I could talk about for like literally ever, because boundaries are everything you cannot live a fruitful successful and happy fulfilled life without them and for me I grew up I would say with no boundaries or if I as a child if I thought that I had them the adults around me or the things around me quickly reminded me I had none I didn't grow up with any and what I learned and had to take accountability for in therapy is when you grow up without any boundaries not only as an adult is it super hard to have them and enforce them it's really hard to adhere to other people's. And I feel like that's the part they don't tell you, right? Because everyone always says, like, no one respects my boundaries. And but do you respect other people's boundaries? I find that sometimes, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but me, myself, growing up without any and no one respecting mine, it was very foreign for me to understand when someone told me I wasn't respecting theirs because I didn't Mm -hmm. even know what it looked like because I had never seen it done. Right. And so I think that now I try my very best to enforce them. I I definitely think it's sometimes trial and error and I sometimes fall incredibly short, incredibly short. And every time I fall short, I get back up and try to not fall short the next time. And that's honestly as funky and as genuine as I can keep it. I think that you need boundaries because without boundaries, I think one can argue where there's a lack of boundaries, there's a lack of self-respect, self-love, Self accountability. Everything flows from how you treat yourself, and if you don't make people rise to the occasion, you don't come at people and you say, "To have access to me, you've got to treat me like X." Otherwise, they'll treat you like A, B, C, D, and that is the catastrophic consequence of raising girls to be likable. Because when you raise girls and you tell them, "You just you need to be liked." People need to like you. What you're also raising them to believe is I don't need boundaries because I want to please. And in pleasing you, I'm so focused on pleasing you. It's just not possible for me to please me too. So then what happens is I deprioritize myself. I prioritize you and every single person around you can smell it. You can smell when people have loose boundaries. And my God, if you let people gate or slide, they will hit you with the electric slide. So I think that boundaries you need (laughs) deeply for yourself, you need. I love
1: that. I love that. Yeah, I agree. A thousand percent. Right. That was profound. What you said, as far as when you don't have boundaries, you don't know how to respect another person. Right. Very profound, very spot on. And It is true. And you know what? I find it funny like now because I set my boundaries. Right. A lot of people. Oh, you're so mean. Oh, yeah. You take everything (laughs) so serious. Right. And then it's like, am I mean, you know, but it's so funny because I usually hear that from the opposite sex. Like we're not going to even go there. Right. Like those those are usually (laughs) the ones that tell me I'm so mean. No, I'm just particular. You know, and I think it's sad only because of the world we live in that so many people don't have boundaries that when you do, you are labeled as mean or yeah. whatever, you know, because it's like, no, I have a stand. Right. Yep. All right. So self-love, right? You talked about self-love. What does it mean to
0: you? How do you pray? To me, when you love yourself, you accept yourself. Flaws and all. Then you more so look at flaws, and opportunities. And things that you can strengthen and improve. I think that self-love similarly to boundaries, right? Because they're honestly one and the same, because when you love yourself, there is a certain standard you make people rise to and certain treatment you go for and what you don't go for. And so when I think about self-love, how I attempt to practice it is A, by telling people around me, rather showing people around me, this is how I treat myself. So if you want access to me, you've got to treat me how I treat me. Otherwise, what exactly are we doing, right? I try not to engage with people who make me feel, actually no one can make me feel anything, right? Who trigger me into feeling myself less than, or like I'm not beautiful, or I'm not successful enough, or like the goalpost keeps moving. Like I reached it and now hmm, jump a little higher. I try to move away from people like that because I know me and I know my limitations. And I grew up a people pleaser. And so it is in my bones. It is in my instinct to aim to please. I consist that is something that I work on consistently is pleasing me too. Because sometimes when you are so hellbent on pleasing another, what pleases you is it's noise. What I learned to do as it like my entire life is quiet the noise. So if Lauren's needs were saying, I'm around this person and I don't feel safe. I'm around this person and I'm anxious, or I'm around this person and I cannot sleep. My body physically won't even go into rim. Like, flag on the play, flag on the play. So, how I try to practice self love is not putting myself in situations that are harmful to me and my psyche, because your head is at the center of every single thing you do. You have to have your head on straight. You have to have a head that's not cloudy. You have to have a head that is clear in order to thrive in entrepreneurship and in your life, like to be active and present in life need a head that is not cloudy. And I just think my head for me speaking specifically is cloudy when I don't listen to myself. So the best way that I try to practice self-love is I try to show up for myself in the way that I wish I was shown up for as a child. I try to nurture and comfort and talk to myself in a way that I wish I was spoken to as a child. If I make a mistake or I do something that I'm embarrassed of, or I think isn't my finest moments, instead of completely berating myself, right? Which is very familiar to me because it's how I grew up. I take a second before I go on a tirade about, oh my God, you're so, you're this, you're this, you're this. And I take a second and I breathe. And before I do any of that, I tell myself that it's okay because I'm a person and people make mistakes. And then after I tell myself that I made a mistake, I try to unpack how it happened or why it happened. And then I try to forgive myself so that I can move on. That to me is, is love, extending yourself the same grace you give a boyfriend who's cheated a few times, a friend who's hurt your feelings, the same grace. People give other people so much grace and then when it comes to themselves, they're really the, like, you know, people are like, oh, you, you know, betray me once, you're cut off. People act like that with themselves. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, you have to live in this vessel while you're here. You might as well try your very best to like, show with the love, right? Show yourself some love. That's really what I try to do.
1: Love that. Be kind to yourself. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. So tell us where we can find you.
0: You can find me on my website, contentqueensny.com. You can find me on my social channels, contentqueensny on Instagram and on Twitter and the Content Queens on Facebook. My own personal handle is LChill and that's four L's. (laughs) And that's the same on everywhere. Catch me on Twitter. That's my favorite platform ever. But if you want to find me on Instagram, you can too, because that's pretty poppin' also. (laughs) So LChill everywhere, four
1: L's. All right, love it. And all of that will be in the show notes. Thank you so much, Lauren. (laughs) Appreciate you, like such an amazing time.
0: Thank you. I could not have asked for a better first podcast. Intro interview ever. Iconic. Bye bye. Bye.
1: I really enjoyed this interview with Lauren and I hope you did as well. My takeaway for today is to get myself and my business out in the world by utilizing some of the resources Lauren mentioned, such as Thumbtack. And also, that Tuesday is the best day to send emails. I truly appreciate Lauren for dropping tangible knowledge that I can apply to my business today. What's your takeaway from this episode? Send me an email and let me know. My email is whenhersunited at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. One of my mottos is sharing is caring. So I sure hope that you care to share. I look forward to receiving an email from you. Also, don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode to read Lauren's bio, get the links to connect with Lauren, get the cash app handle for Win United, get the direct link to my Buy Me A Coffee page, get the link to get your Win t-shirt and more. We'll be back in two weeks with another amazing winning woman of color entrepreneur. But until then, as always, be empowered and empower on.